0: Matthew 16, verse 21 says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now this verse follows, of course, what we... We covered last week, and for those that haven't been here through this time, I've been for quite some time now kind of walking through the book of Matthew and looking at various passages. And last week we, we did this, the paragraph just prior to this verse. And in that, we get this conversation between Jesus and the disciples, and he asks who people say that he is, and then he asks the disciples, Who do you say? That I am. And when Peter speaks out and acknowledges him as the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus commends him, reminds, or points out that it's not people, it's not flesh and blood that revealed that to him, that was God Himself that gave him that understanding of who Christ was. And it went into this. rather difficult um, verse in verse 19 where he says, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And we talked about that referring to more than likely, as far as I can understand it in any case, as the gospel message, the gospel that provides salvation. And it's interesting that this verse is exactly what follows that statement and i said that the keys to the kingdom of heaven the only way to access the kingdom of heaven is through faith in the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ as the payment for our sins that is the key that is the only access we have to get into the kingdom of heaven and so that's why i claim that that is the case. It's not that Peter is sitting at the gate of heaven determining who gets to come in and and out. It's that he was given the message that he was able to preach to provide access to that. And so now, right after that statement, it says, from that time forth, began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and be raised again the third day. Jesus gave the gospel message immediately following. And he started, and it just says, from that time forth, he began to show these things. And we see, it's not just a one time Jesus said it. It was an ongoing day after day, week after week. He's explaining to his disciples that this is what's going to happen. This is the plan that was laid out from the beginning of the world, that he was going to come and be that sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world. We need to grasp that. Now, I'm going to focus... Our Bible study has been in um, 1 Corinthians, and we just haven't looked at the, the, the rest of the chapter that I've been, been intending to for the last couple of weeks, uh, and it happened to fit exactly this passage. And so I'm going to look at that Bible study passage in, in 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. But before we get there... I just want to mention or I'm going to go through a series of verses here but what this message what this and later we'll look at Peter's response to Jesus when he tells that I'm going to be delivered to these people they're going to kill me Peter's Peter didn't have a positive response to that message he wasn't happy to hear Jesus saying these things But that's the message that we need to hear in our lives. And that message is what gives us hope of a future. I'm just going to read off a series of verses. It says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for an helmet, the hope of salvation. In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior jesus christ blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead that i may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now if you're trying to figure out where that passage is, it's in about ten different books. (laughs) So if you want the Those references you can ask me later. But it speaks of the hope that we have through Christ. And that hope, and if you want to turn in your Bibles to to 1 Corinthians 15, that hope is summed up in that verse as Jesus is proclaiming that gospel message to the disciples. The hope is tied up in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 begins with the statement, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved. This is the gospel. This is the thing by which we are saved. Verse 3 says, "For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, just like Jesus said, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, just like Jesus said was going to happen." That is the gospel. That's the message That's what we need to believe, that that death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, was the payment for my sin. And through that, I get this hope of a future resurrection. And as we, we're going to read through a large portion of First Corinthians 15 here, and I think I'll just pause here and there, to talk about various aspects of it. I'm going to start in verse verse 12. It says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And I'm going to pause right there for just a second. If Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? I don't think there's anybody here today that would say that there is no resurrection. But you know, when we look at the world, there's a lot of interesting um, opinions and beliefs regarding resurrection. And you get into some of the um, Buddhism and Hindu religions you get some really odd versions of a resurrection and some of these depend on how good of a life I live will determine what I'm resurrected as and I've grown up my entire life hearing people that in my next life I'm gonna be uh... and some people hope for for some pretty strange things sometimes and I don't know, the butterfly is what comes to my mind, but do you realize what you have to be to become a butterfly? (laughs) You start as a worm. (laughs) And chances are you're going to be a bird's lunch before you turn into a butterfly. You know, you want to be a bird because, you know, you know, they get to fly. And You know, people come up with all these ideas of what they would like to be resurrected as in their next life, and a funny, funny thing, but it all depends on how good they are as a person, what they get to be resurrected, whether they're going up or down. I'm not sure that becoming some other animal would be considered going up from human. <laughs> not according to the Bible. Uh, according to the Bible, we were created in God's image. Everything else was just, he spoke it into existence, but... We were special. We were different. And God created us in his image. How how much better can it get? I could could definitely be a better person. But I couldn't be a better creation. There couldn't be a better thing for me to become. Except what God has in store for me. (laughs) Except for the resurrection that he describes in his word. And we'll get to that. So again, verse 12 says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And, of course, Jesus is saying this because there's people, the Jews, some of the Jews, one sect of the Jews, didn't believe that there was a resurrection. And so that kind of passed on into some of these Gentile churches as well. And I'm sure some of the various religions that they came from didn't believe in, a, in an afterlife. And he says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Our time here this morning is completely pointless if Christ didn't rise from the dead. Verse 15, yea, and we are found... False witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not, then is not Christ raised. and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins, then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only. We have hope in Christ. We are of all men most res- miserable. I think get a moment he's going to say, if Christ be not raised, like he says, if if that's the case, if there's no afterlife, if there's no hope beyond this life, says, We are of all men most miserable. What are we doing? (laughs) We could be out drinking, partying, like just filling our guts with whatever wonder, you know, I'd eat lots of ice cream. (laughs) I already do eat lots of ice cream, but, but we could do whatever we want, whatever our flesh desired. We could just go chase after those things and not worry. We could... Not worry about how we treat other people, not worry about the impact we have on this planet. What's the point of any of it if there's no resurrection? If there's no life after this, all this care that we have and all this time and effort we spend trying to live a life that's pleasing to God is completely pointless. Because there's, if there's nothing after this, well, who cares? I had a Jehovah's Witness come to my shop one time and we start talking and he's talking about the 144,000 like, and all this and you, you get this, there's an afterlife if you get to be one of whatever, one of those 144,000 or one of the believers however they proclaim it but he very clearly said and we discussed this that if you're not one of those You're out of luck. That's the end. I'm like, well, thank God I don't have to worry about it. Because if that's the end, then, well, I don't have to worry about hell. (laughs) I don't have to worry about the, the consequence of my sin if the end of this life is just the end. But certainly, people on their deathbed aren't worried that that's just the end. They're worried about what comes next. We know in our heart that there is more to it than that. So, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Verse 20 says But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man, in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. And the only thing I just wanted to point out, in the Old Testament offerings, there was an offering of the firstfruits. The first of the harvest was to go to be given to the Lord. It was brought to the temple and offered to God. And Christ is our first fruits. He is the offering that paid for our sin. And so that's just another picture that we have of Christ in the Old Testament law that was pointing people to him as the resurrection. And as we continue here, he's using the planting and harvesting the growth of a seed into a plant that produces fruit is a picture of the resurrection. It's a picture of what Christ accomplished. Verse 23, But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward, they that are Christ that is coming, then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Those verses... For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed shall be death." John 5:28 says, "Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now, if you just take this verse by itself, see, I have to do good. If I do good, I'll get a good resurrection. If I do bad, I get a bad resurrection. But, That's not really what it's saying. The context and the understanding of Scripture is doing good is obeying Christ, believing the message of the gospel, of course, not just our actions, our our deeds that we do. But there is two resurrections. There is only two resurrections. I don't get to be some creature or some plant or some thing some other creation, I get one of two choices. A resurrection unto life, eternal life, or a resurrection unto damnation, which is an eternal conscious existence in hell. So these are our two options that are shown in Scripture. And this, verse 25 in 1 Corinthians 15 says, He must reign till he put all enemies under his feet, that the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Revelation 20, verse 11, says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's a judgment day coming. And there's a resurrection coming for all the dead. And those that aren't found written in the book of life, how do you get written in that book of life? It's through believing in that message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's through nothing other than I believe that. And he's going to conquer death. Death is the last enemy that he's going to conquer. That judgment is the end of that. The end of dying. There's a resurrection that that's eternal. And there's a resurrection of Life that is also eternal. And we'll get there in just a second. If we go back to, I'm going to turn again to Revelation 20. If we go back to the beginning of the chapter, it says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. The first resurrection blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years and when the thousand years are expired Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and if you know the rest of that story it's a short-lived battle when Satan is loosed and he deceives many and he gathers an army and he fights against God and he loses and ends in that final judgment and that is the final judgment and we get a new heaven and a new earth and he, an eternal, immortal life with Christ. When we go back to First Corinthians 15 Again in verse 24, says, Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith, All things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do, which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand ye in jeopardy every hour? Right? Why would you baptize someone for the dead if there was no resurrection, no hope that there's any further future for them? It would be pointless. Of course, it's pointless because they're already made their own decision, but he's making the point that if there was no resurrection, there'd be no, absolutely no reason for doing that. He's pointing out that we say things, we say that we believe certain things, but our actions say contrary. The way that people live, the atheist who says there is no God will be angry at God when some natural disaster happens and he will curse God for the destruction, for the loss of life, loss of possessions. You know, that's contrary to what he says he believes And that's all that Paul is pointing out, is that people claim to believe something, but their actions say that in their heart they actually know differently. They're just not willing to acknowledge that truth that God has put in their heart. Verse 31, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men... I have fought with beasts at Ephesus. What advantages it me if the dead rise not? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. What difference does it make? Let's just go party, right? Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God and I speak this to your shame. You need to stop at that verse for a second. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. And I can be speaking to me, that can be speaking to any one of you. There's somebody in your life that doesn't know that gospel message And it's because you haven't opened your mouth and told them. It's because I haven't opened my mouth and told them. We're waiting for the right opportunity, right? What if there was a car laying in the ditch this morning when we arrived here? What if that guy had rolled that car and and died in that accident? That was whatever the time before that, that a Christian was in his life was the last opportunity that person had, would have had to have witnessed to that guy. How many times has that happened in our own lives? Where someone we know who doesn't believe in Christ dies before we've, what we say, had the opportunity, before we've taken the opportunity to tell them about the gospel message, to give them the opportunity to respond to that. He says, I speak this to your shame, that there's people around you that don't know that message. That's to our shame as the Church of Christ. I lost my spot. Verse 34. Verse 35. But some men will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except to die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be but bare grain. it sh- may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. The flesh, all flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies, and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. This describes planting a seed in the ground. Do you know what becomes of a seed that you plant in the ground? (laughs) It rots and it becomes the food for the plant that grows from it. You ever plant potatoes and sometimes when you, you planted a potato and it'll produce the plant. But when you go to harvest the potatoes at the end of the season, sometimes that original potato is still there. And what better description than It's full of corruption. (laughs) It's rotted, and it's disgusting, and it stinks. That's this body. (laughs) That's him describing this body that we have, that we're living in at this moment, is simply the seed. It's what's going to get planted in the ground. But what grows from that has a completely different glory than what the original thing had the thing that grows from that is beautiful and amazing and is going to produce fruit to God's glory. That's the resurrection. And the new body that we get in Christ, in that resurrection, isn't a body full of lusting after sin and fleshly things and worldly things. It's a a body that wants nothing but to obey Christ and to please God. It's a body that doesn't get old and shriveled. is isn't weak and sore. It's a body that is perfect and eternal. That we can... I don't know where people get this idea of us sitting on a cloud with a harp and how boring heaven's going to be. Heaven isn't boring. (laughs) Everything that you... Enjoy in this life will be m- multiplied, magnified in that eternal life. I, I don't believe for a second that we will not be working and being productive through eternity. We're not going to be sitting around playing harps. We'll be doing what God has given us to do in this life to the glory of God. We've been told to do our work to the glory of God in this life. I believe God is gonna give us work and we'll have joy in that work and we'll be productive throughout eternity. I can't imagine what all we would build and make and do when you have all eternity to do it. Better be a big land. <laughs> As we get toward the end of the chapter here, start in verse 49 again says "And as we have borne the image of the earthy we shall also bear the image of the heavenly now this i say brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god remember the keys to the kingdom of god that was given to peter that message of the gospel we can't get there in this flesh we this flesh has to die in order for me to get into the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal Which giveth us the, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We shall all be changed. In the mom- in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. We're going to be changed. There is a resurrection, and it's not just a resurrection back to this same life that we're living, the same Corruptible body that we're living in. It's an incorruptible, immortal body. An eternal body. And that is the hope that we have in Christ. The alternative is not so pleasant as we read in the Revelation 20. Again, Titus 2, verse 13. Is looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you looking for that return of Christ? Let's pray. Our Lord God, we just as we look at this idea of a resurrection, a new body, it gives us hope—a hope of a future without the problems that we have in this current life, Lord. Lord, we need to trust in you. We need to believe that Christ paid for our sin on the cross. Lord, I pray that everybody here would believe that, that would receive the salvation and receive the hope that you offer through that gift, through that payment, Lord. We just commit this again into your hands. In Christ's name, amen.